Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back. This is part two of my stomp with Toddler Tea in Queen's Park. Let's uh, on that topic dive into um, childhood for you and yes, school life for you because you've recently and you've talked about this um, about your diagnosis of uh, ADHD. So yeah. for people listening, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We'll talk about the word disorder a little bit later because yeah. we're both in agreement. It's not probably the right term, I think, and it's probably quite outdated. Yeah, to be right. Honest. Going through school, when did you notice that you felt different, or did you think, oh gosh? The way I feel or the way I deal with academia is different to other children. Was it something you're aware of or you just... Yeah, 100, bro. I think, like, the academic side came a bit later, ironically, because a lot of the time they say that they notice it in young people as young as sort of eight or nine, I think. But it wasn't to me, to my teens, but I'll get there in a minute. But I think as a kid, it was like school was never like... I think it's partly generational as well. I it never felt like a safe space really, but in, by that I mean like... It's quite sad to hear that. Yeah, us. like, I don't know, like, I feel like as young as I can remember, I just felt nervous in life. Do you understand? So like, and, and that obviously is anxiety that I learned later in life, but I'd get there and I, did, I just felt a bit off key. Yeah. And then obviously at that time, it was like the 90s, 80s into the 90s, schooling was just different. It was way more like, just old school, right? So like hardcore punishment, yeah. this, that, that, that. Whereas when I drop my kid off now, it just feels like love when I bring him there. It's beautiful. Yeah. They've got music on, everyone says hello. So I don't think that necessarily was the root of that, but it definitely didn't like soften it when I got there. Sure. Um, and don't get me wrong, there was great people in the schools that I worked in and stuff, but I just think the system was different then. Um, but yeah, so just, I never really loved school like that. Do you know what I mean? And then secondary school was when I really noticed that I just couldn't flipping lock in. And what do you mean by that when you say lock-in? Like, I, no matter like, how kind of interested I thought I was or how, like, hard I tried, it just went in and out, but not in a way that was like, you know, like, we do it, we're human, innit? So, like, you might be like, I'll do the dishes, and you go, oh, fuck, I'll do that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. was different. This was like, I can't latch on to this thing, and I'm... It's task, yeah. Yeah, like, and, and I feel like the more I researched into all this stuff, it was probably like a coping mechanism as well with the anxiety alongside. So just permanent distraction actually was a comfort. Okay. Do you understand? So like, for example, when you're feeling, I read this theory about ADHD, I don't know if it's true and it probably ain't, I ain't a doctor, but like they say like a lot of young guns who went through trauma, whether that was extreme obvious trauma, like, you know, abuse or whatever, or maybe young people who just for whatever reason, something was missing yeah. subconsciously they just basically distracted themselves all the time and then from the womb and then when they came into things that they needed to attend to it was their brain wiring was really hard to lock into it because it was naturally the natural default was to just ignore yeah so i think it might have had something to do with that but i think like my put all my all my uh, school reports were just like he could do better he's underachieving because i wasn't thick 
Yeah. That's the thing like, as well. You, you like, I wasn't like. I was incredibly I, intelligent. But intelligent, it's, it's just in terms I just of academic stuff. get it from the thought. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I saw it quite hard to describe. I just couldn't really lock into the academic side of it. Well, like the thing that I. The thing that frustrates me is that academia is basically designed for one type of people. Yeah. There, there are many type of people on the planet. We're all coming so many variations and I know and understand it's difficult for curriculums to suit everyone. However, I think particularly like maybe eighties and nineties and so on. Yeah. It was kind of like you, know, you sit down, you open your book, yeah. you read it and you do your tests and this is how this is how you function with it. Like yeah. I I've got dyslexia which I only now knew post even med school right. and I really struggled with school in the traditional way because it was yeah. all writing based all yeah, stuff. Yeah, I really yeah. struggled when I went to med school it changed the learning style was about more like talking it was in person or it was like with multiple choice questions on computers all of yeah. a sudden I clicked with it yeah, yeah exactly. and it's only later then when I thought well, that's weird why yeah. did I struggle so much at school but med yeah. school was fine yeah, 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 yeah. I realized that I wasn't stupid I yeah. just didn't fit the system exactly there you go you said it systemic in it in that way it's like all right he can't lock into that or she can't lock into that but he's showing interest there so let's explore that and you're right, it is very like, fits in a box, the, the, the school system when it comes to academia. And if you don't fit in that box, you're considered lazy or whatever. When sometimes, as yourself has mentioned, it's not the case, I just can't do it. We talked a bit about like knowledge and understanding. When did you get the diagnosis of or understand this is, this is what I have? Or mm. how did that come about for you? Because I understand it has been later in life. Yeah, yeah, so basically, when I was about, I can't remember how old I was, I was about 20 or something. I was, I was at home and I was in the shower, yeah? I had this feeling come on that was just unbelievable. It was like this kind of like, it's like the shower was pouring out kind of like the heaviest lead. Okay. Um, and it was my first, I guess, massive panic attack stroke. I don't know if breakdown's the right word, but that anxiety that hits you where it kind of Horrific, knocks you like for sick. Really yeah, yeah, it's not like, Oh, I'm about to go on stage and I'm a bit nervous or oh. I've got an exam come a bit nervous. Yeah, it's nah, like that bam, yeah. smash you like a train. Yeah. This is like it's impossible to describe, right? It's like trying to describe love yeah. or or pain. Like it's just a mad feeling. Anyway, so that was like early twenties and that was something that kind of sent me into this place of like non-stop high anxiety from morning to night. So like again I'm not a doctor and you probably know more about this, but like cortisol which, I don't know, generally, yeah, which is like absolutely. the uh, it's hormone, right? Yeah. That basically we need, otherwise yeah. we don't do anything. Yeah. We need it, them. We um, love hate relationships. Yeah, absolutely. But when that, that tap is left on 24-7 at high volume, naturally it kind of wears you down very quickly. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time feeling like that. And it was funny because that was what, like, hang on, what are we in now? 2022, right? Yeah. This was like 2007 or eight, I think. And anyway, got a long story short, I went to the doctors and blah, 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 but no one really nailed it quickly, mm. which is really interesting mm. because now I feel like someone would nail it in a second. Mm. So again, the progression, right? There's a change, there's a big so change. So basically, that would, I feel like once you've been through that period of that type of anxiety, which to be honest, it made sense now when I look back, but there was no obvious thing. You get what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I'm starting uni tomorrow or, you know, someone passed away or it just like, it just boosh. Because it sounds like to me you had the, you, ADHD is one side, anxiety yeah. is another side. It's closely linked, and they can kind of 
they are, you mentioned cousins earlier. Yeah, on, yeah, the cousins. Yeah, it's kind of like they often intertwine in some way. Absolutely. So let's 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 focus on AGHD for a minute. What what kind of like now do you recognise as being like this was my symptoms? This oh gosh, that was actually yeah. This is why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think because they are because I, I I have diagnosed with um, GAD, mm -hmm. general anxiety disorder. disorder. Yeah. Yeah, which to be honest, it only gets hectic. I don't know. It, it seems to come in like what's the word? Um, seasons okay like it's not like all time yeah like it's just there's been chapters in my life it's been so intense for so long and then i managed to get rid of it so that's like a chapter based thing yeah whereas adhd is 24 7 right and actually i thought that that was part of the anxiety thing but the mates and they all and some of the symptoms intertwine and i think like when i get into those anxious states one of the reasons i can't Oh, I really struggle to get out. It's because I just flipping hyper focus on it. I can't stop thinking about it. It's a big it, part of uh, ADHD is actually having that hyper focus yeah. around something. And then music has been a big hyper focus, a good hyper yeah, focus. That, for you. Yeah, so music is a hyper focus that um, kind of locks me into a place of permanent reward. Yeah. So I'm always getting reward off music, whether it's making, listening, talking. It could be literally like oxygen. So that's positive, it's given me a career, it's given me a wife, it's given me kids, you know what I'm saying? But when I'm hyper-focusing on a negative, it's really destructive. Yeah. And when you're carrying all this cortisol and all this and you're concentrating on it 24-7. It's like a superheated anxiety. Oh, bruv, it's peak. So there's that, I think like, you know, like I am very sensitive as a person. Like I've definitely learned how to kind of, I don't know, I don't know bulk up's the wrong word because it is what it is, but like maybe soften, manage, manage, manage it. And I feel like that's a big ADHD trait as well. I feel like, you know, like the lack of attention I always thought was maybe something to do with being nervous about things. It was never about being nervous. It was about the ADD. So just knowing what it was. The reason I got my diagnosis is because I went through, right, here we go again. So I drank like a nutter in my twenties. And I drink like a nutter because it soothed my anxiety and then actually soothed my ADHD, but I didn't realize. Yeah. It's sort of like self-medicating. It's pure self-medication. I was a DJ as well, so... It's part of the culture. It's part of the culture, bro. And it's like, you get a rider. So imagine coming here today to interview me, and when you arrive, there's a bucket full of vodka. Yeah, oh, gosh. Mad, yeah. isn't it? It's kind of scary. It's kind of quite sad in a way. Is yeah, it's sad, bro. Yeah, 100%, bro, because... Don't get me wrong, it's fun at first, and it's exciting. But, like, for me, it was perfect, bro. Yeah. Like, give this anxious, like, scatty kid loads of Guinness every time he goes to work. It was a recipe for disaster in the long term. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, bro, in my 20s, I had some amazing times. And yeah. actually, it kind of worked. Yeah. Because it did soothe. It's interesting. Sometimes we think of medication as, like, I say alcohol has been, like, really, really bad. But for the function of what it was doing for yeah. you, it yeah, actually... it was wicked. It worked. It really worked. It soothed. That, it's... We're not advocating alcohol no, man, use don't for drink. HD, by the way. But we're going to get to the dark bit later. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, I, and it worked, it, it soothed, I used to travel a lot. Naturally, I wasn't, that, you know, because I'm an anxious person at the root of it all. I think traveling wasn't the easiest thing, so I'd drink and blah, blah, blah. You know the vibe, we all, you see it on flights all the time, whatever. So anyway, I drunk, I drunk like a nutter in my 20s. Then in my early 30s, my hangover started to get a bit berserk. Yeah. But the drinking got heavier because I needed more to kind of override right, okay. the hangovers and I, and I needed more volume. So the dose dependence goes up Absolutely. to get the same amount. Exactly. More and, more and, more. and then it became everything, you know, like social, any social event, like any, you know, oh, I'm bored in studio, let's crack a beer. Like, got ridiculous. And my hangovers were getting berserk and the binges were getting silly. And I had two children, man, and I was becoming that guy I never wanted to be. Mm. So, and then basically, 
I think I went on a mad one for my friend's birthday all day pub session and I knew it was getting ridiculous and I think in the back of my mind from even when I was like you know in my 20s I knew this wasn't sustainable yeah. I never vocalized it because I was I guess ashamed but then when I got to this point I went to my friends all day and then <laughs> I think my mum and dad were coming down to our part and um, I got home and that and I was battered, I passed out and the next day I got up and mum and dad have gone early and I've got the kids and then I took them to a birthday party yeah. and I was hanging but obviously at the birthday party there's Prosecco, oh, right? Yeah. So yeah, but I'm on the Prosecco now and I've come home and then like the real hangover's kicked in and yeah. I got into bed, put telly on and my kid came in the room and went, dad, what are you doing? I thought, what am I doing? This is rubbish. Like he's clocking it now. Yeah. That ain't it. So I decided from that moment that I, I couldn't live like yeah. this anymore, because not even for me, for them to be honest. Um, so I sobered up. I was definitely an addict, hundred percent. I am an addict, and I'm, I feel no way about it. I feel like people see that as a dirty word. I yeah. feel quite, quite empowering to know that that is something that I'm dealing with, and I've, I've, I've basically got on top of it. So big up the addicts, you're done now, right? Yeah, sure. And um, yeah, so I stopped drinking. Long story short, I managed to do it with, I've got a couple of friends who have like been to rehab and have done AA and they were amazing. I was too scared to go to AA because I had this feeling of shame. So the stigma with it. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't want to go to the AA place around the corner and then go to the school gates and see the same ah, person. See, okay. yeah. So that was me being insecure about it and being shamed a bit. So. I read this amazing book called The Joys of Sobriety, which was written by this lady. I always forget. We'll put it in the link, whatever. We'll put the, we'll put the link. I, that's a very famous book now yeah. for people, really. Sick, it's a really bruv, powerful book. Yeah. It's a young woman who moved to London to be in the media. Yeah. And she had a very similar story to me. She just out all the time getting battered and then it became the norm and blah, blah. So I feel like those two things got, Synergies, me, yeah. got, got me through the first three months. And it was right interesting because when I go out for a meal, with my wife. Yeah. So the first time I was going out armourless and I sit down at dinner and I'd be like... <laughs> You're like, what's going super on? Super socially anxious. But I didn't know I was like that because yeah. I'd always covered it. Yeah. So it took me a good year. So that you stripped off this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was gone. Out, I was yeah. out here raw. Yeah. And, and Arm was off in Yeah, way. completely off. And then I was like... It became quite comedy. They got a nickname for me, socially anxious tea. Oh, God. <laughs> They call it sat, right? Oh God! I've got, now I'm calm, but initially I go boozy, yeah, yeah and yeah. I'd be like proper scanning the room, yeah, like. Yeah. So. so yeah, all these things came to the tuition, and then after like year of of like being like that and thinking, oh yeah, I've cracked it. This was all because I was an alky man. It's fine. Boosh! On came that tap again, yeah. The cortisol started kicking in. Massively. And it, ironically, it was in one of the most quote-unquote successful parts of my career. I had like chart tunes kicking off, everyone wanted to come to studio. And actually, uh, sadly, I was in one of the darkest places, which is why I Sad, find, isn't it? Yeah. find the word success a bit of a trick. But anyway, so then I was like so... That was a hardcore one, bro. That, 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 that dip was hardcore. It, it would not stop for a good six months. Right. And I was just lost, bro. And basically, in previous therapy sessions, which I've been dipping in and out of since I was about 20, the therapist was like, I think you've got ADHD. And I was like, nah, man, come on, that's silly. Because like, you think of that as being children, the mad twitchy yeah, just, children yeah. and things. And uh, so I took it out on board. And then when I was really bad again, I went to see, an, I paid to see like a, a psychologist or yeah. like a doctor. Yeah, yeah. 
And he said, I think that too. So I'm like, uh, so then I found this guy, James yeah. Custer, yeah. who's like a specialist in adult ADHD. And he sat me down and we were like, oh, he just changed my life, bro. Wow. It was amazing. Because wow. he and, just basically- And talk me through that. Why, why did it change your life? Because, right, so basically he, took, he, clocked who, he clocked what was going on instantly on the nose, like, like scientifically, yeah. but also socially and I guess spiritually and all these different elements, yeah. you know? It's almost like, I guess, I'd imagine it's like the an answering the questions or making sense of the questions in your head. Absolutely. Like, Why is it like this? Absolutely. And he, he, he was like, right, we know about the, the anxiety thing. Let's park that, yeah. et cetera. And basically, long, another thing. and then we did the diagnosis, which is basically like a sort of, I guess, like a report of your life. Or literally got school reports sent yeah. to him and all that. You speak to your family yeah, as well. Yeah, speak to my mum and dad. Everyone was super cool. And then when he clocked it, it was just like, I just felt like there was a human being that could see my internal... Like, if you could visualise my brain, he was seeing it. And just to know that, A, someone knew what was going on, and B, there was answers, and C, there was remedies, that alone brought down my stress. Did that help your anxiety as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because I guess that maybe some of that anxiety is so internalised about that understanding. When you, and this is the interesting point on why I think education, understanding, knowledge is so powerful. Because if you teach kids, yeah. right, well, actually, when I'm, uh, when I'm feeling anxious, my adrenal glands are kicking out, yeah. cortisol, adrenaline, yeah, yeah. that makes my heart race, yeah. even can make it feel painful at times. Yeah. It makes you feel panicked and stuff. Think, oh, gosh, I understand why this is now. Absolutely. But if you don't understand, it's dad, dad terrifying. Absolutely. That's what happened to me the first time it happened, like I was saying earlier. Like, but, people think, feel, I know when I have anxiety, like you feel like you're going to die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. But uh, he's like... And the thing is, well, he came with hope as well. He was like, I know what's going on, we're going we're gonna to sort it. Or like, we're going to give you a remedies and we're going to help it. And I think just having someone there that actually gets it and, and, and has genuine belief in, in being able to uplift you out of that place alone was just incredible. And he's like, my, like you see, like, I'm like shops, yeah? Yeah. And you've got like store manager. Yeah. And then you've got assistant manager and you've got floor staff. He's my store manager. Oh, nice. And then oh, I've got like, like my personal trainer, Sarah, who's one of my best friends on the physical side. Then I've got another good friend, Pedro, who helps me with like uh, supplements. Yeah. And I've got a mindful coach that I was using. And I've got all these people, but he's like the top of my tree. Yeah. And he's like essential 101 toddler tea limited ambassador. Yeah. And um, yeah, bro, it was, it was amazing. And basically, to conclude that story, when I finally got out of that dip again, I could start working on the ADHD stuff more, and it was really good for my family as well. Because I, I know Annie's spoken about this as well. It helps. It's not just for you. It helps everyone around you understand yeah. who you are and not Absolutely. avoid the labelling yeah. that happens. And, and the understanding allows you to be more empathetic. Of course, yeah, exactly. if you understand people, you're more empathetic Absolutely. to them. And also, importantly, compassionate and empathetic towards yourself. So yeah, we're not bashing you ourselves all That's the time. That's it, which adds to the shame and the anxiety and all that. So knowing, oh, this ain't, I'm not being a bad person. I'm not being a waste man or whatever. I just can't necessarily do this and that's fine. Yeah. You understand? I'm going to talk in a minute about, because you would use the word superpower. So we're going to come on to that in a second. But sure. I first I thought we're just for people listening. So ADHD, I mean, we often attribute that to hyperactivity, but actually yeah. that's not necessarily the case all the time, yeah. is it? And there's three subtypes, hyperactivity, uh, inattention yeah. is one, and combined. So like people having a mixture of the two and actually, because we imagine, the, say you said the twitchy kid or whatever. Yeah. Because obviously, because often that is the kind of image of what people have. Yeah. Missing out on a lot of people actually that, that that have ADHD that 
aren't like that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think you explain it really well with the, with you've talked, you talked before about like a dopamine, dopamine yeah. analogy with mm. the ceiling and stuff. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if you could kind of repeat that because sure, yeah. I've not heard anyone explain it any yeah, better yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the thing is with ADHD is like, we traditionally don't reach the reward system as easy as a normal brain. Yeah. And by the big quote unquote on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, the dopamine being the reward chemical and hormone, or is it chemical or hormone? Uh, well, neurotransmitter. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a reward. It's dopamine. We think of reward. You it's know, likes, emails. Yeah, it's a beautiful sweets. thing. Sweets. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Anything that makes you feel good, basically. So yeah. we're always trying to reach for it. So if, yeah, the analogy that I got from my doctor Custo, he's like, look, imagine there's a ceiling, yeah, and you're a tall guy. You just put your hand up and touch it, right? Yeah. That's a normal brain, quote unquote. But then a four-year-old is jumping all the time to grab it. Trying to get there. Yeah. So you're basically, in life, trying to get rewards all the time because you're not naturally fulfilled with that chemical or that hormone or whatever. So you just permanently look. If something ain't giving you a reward, you move on rapid. You don't even know you're moving on. You're just always moving on, looking for a reward all the time, which is why ADHD people struggle with addiction as well because we're trying to top it up in other ways, alcohol being the case for me. So, yeah, it's, it's the lack of dopamine. I actually read earlier in the week that it's not necessarily you have less no. it's that you're you're hit, not hitting the target of where it is basically but either way you're not getting the rewards like other people are so you're permanently looking for it which is why something that don't give you a reward you're just moving on yeah and some of that can be things linked and the children adults often different some of the some of that could be the hyperactivity yeah. so the kind of the classic things we talk around that but also the inattention so yeah. not being able to concentrate on certain tasks yeah. being able to concentrate on specific things like for example music yeah. you talk about but not things that are right in front of you yeah yeah and, and i think that's very important to say because i think we are missing people that might actually have yeah. adhd yeah because we're just like putting yeah. it into that bracket and, and when you look at medication wise i mean mm. one of the things that's been talked about i know you've said you didn't find it helpful for yourself but ritalin or methylphenidate yeah. Yeah. Uh, works essentially by boosting the levels of dopamine mm -hmm. in the brain to try and basically like have that pool of you're not trying to search for it right exactly. you kind of got you've it up to it a level you've nice. topped it up and kept to a level so that, yeah but then some people really don't get on with that yeah, and yeah. you didn't did I you? Did not with ritalin no i did think it, it just overspilled but you know what was interesting though about that experiment if you want to call it that is that I felt so weird and like super anxious for so long, I'd kind of lost hope in any remedy. Yeah. When you feel that rough for so long, you hope's tricky because you're just so worn down, right? And um, what happened when I took the Ritlin was there was a sweet spot it got to, yeah. which was beautiful. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I felt right good for that like yeah. half hour. Yeah. And then it tipped into a place for me which was far too much. too much. So that alone, that little bing was like, there is hope. Yeah. Whether it be medicine. Yeah. So it actually like, gave you a glimmer of hope even if it wasn't the solution Yeah, the exactly. So I was like, you know what? There's ways out of this. You get what I'm saying? So that alone, but I could totally see because why it would get there. Like, it was <laughs> a right funny man because basically I was like, if I can get that sweet spot, yeah. 24-7, I have completed life. I'm winning. Right? Hashtag so winning. So the doctor was like, yo, I'll tell you what, take the capsule, snap it in half, put half in yogurt and eat it. So you're, you're basically half in the dose. Yeah. It's like recreational drug yeah. use. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I got a friend who's like pretty good at this type of thing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so I got him on FaceTime, yeah? And he's showing me how to crack the pill. Yeah. And I've cracked it and I've put it in the yogurt and I'm eating the yogurt like some kind of like literally like recreation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there was a lower and it never worked, but it's right funny because we joke about that to yeah. this day. 
it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because, and I should say to people, you know, before you take any medication, obviously you speak to a GP and also, you know, everyone's experience with medications are different. Like yeah. I take searching for anxiety, one person might find it's not helpful, Absolutely. I find it helpful and so on. So obviously work with your doctor to find the right solution. And I do think that medication play a role. is absolutely amazing for certain people at the right time. I'm just saying Ritalin at that time didn't work no, for me. Absolutely. And I think we should talk a little bit about what, what does work because there's a range now of support around actually talking parts of it, counselling and talking therapies and therapeutic yeah. intervention in that kind of way. But also like adjusting your life to yeah. just understand. And I think we'll come on nicely now, I think, to that superpower that actually, if you harness it, it can actually be a super strength. Yeah, there's negatives to it yeah. potentially, but it is a superpower. Mm. And, and that's how you describe it, isn't it? In times? Absolutely. So for me, yeah, because I said music is my main reward in life in terms of like the dopamine thing like always has been since I were a kid so I go studio and I focus on that thing way harder than I do anything else really I mean even more so you could argue than my family which is kind of mental but that's I'm just that's reality so I go to the studio and I'm in bruv and I could sit there for hours and yeah. I could just do it You're and just that, on that and that's hit. yeah and that's why I became this person I am now in my career so that was way more useful than a university degree. For me, Tom Bell, 100%. So if you, if I asked you the question, if you could change it and get rid of the ADHD, would you? No. You keep no, it? No, 100%, bruv. I'd get rid of the anxiety in a second. Yeah. That's long. There's no superpower for nah, that. Nah, that's just but... long, bruv. But ADHD, I, I actually rate it. And I think, even though there's negatives, and of course people struggle differently to me and other people, and I don't want to discount that and blanket the whole thing. Well, yeah, because the spectrums of everything, right? Absolutely. My dyslexia isn't severe, therefore it's, yeah. it's copable for me, but it can be severe for But people. what I can say is that I'd say 95% of people who walk through my studio door yeah. who are massively successful, massively admired. A lot of them are very fit yeah. physically. Yeah, yeah. Look like I've definitely got ADHD. Yeah. So what's that say about the arts industry? So you take ADHD out of life and it's boring, bruv. This is why I believe it's important that we move away from things like disorder, because yeah, actually neurodiversity, what that really means, people listening, is that we're all, we're all on a spectrum somewhere in yeah. life. We are, like, we are ultimately all different. And all, all that normal is, quote unquote, is what society believes. We take a cut from this and a cut from that. And yeah. if you're in the middle of that spectrum, you're normal. Everything outside yeah. that isn't normal. Facts. And that's such an error because yeah. actually, if you harness the potential of the people that are not, inverted commas, normal, and maybe on different ends of that, that spectrum, you actually have something really incredible. You've Absolutely. got brilliant minds. Yeah, just because they don't fit into the academic, yeah. direct, sit here nine to five thing, yeah. doesn't mean that they can't bring amazing things. Like you said, the creative industry, artists, wow. music. I mean, some of the most, the brightest minds on the planet of, of, of don't fit into that exact Absolutely, spectrum bro. or whatever. Exactly, and that's why the word disorder is just rude, bruv. Yeah. You know, if you look at autism or whatever, like, I think the arts that come out of that side of things is like, you know, it, it traditionally or stereotypically would, you know, stamp on the yeah. neuro yeah. Um, average mind in terms of its beauty and how it can achieve and its detail. But that's a disorder. I don't, I just think it's a crap name, bruv. Well, I think, if, you know, the thing is, look at dyslexia. I mean, like, I, one of the things that really annoys me is that some people still label people with dyslexia sometimes, some people do. Are stupid. It's like you're stupid. Yeah, you're just a bit like it? you're just not that bright. I and mean, there is just like a, it's almost like an accepted joke to be like. Yeah, yeah. I think we're moving away from yeah, that. Yeah, I'd like yeah, to yeah. say that we are quickly moving away from that, but it is something that really annoys me because I'm like, yeah, actually, in many ways, I'm a lot brighter than, than yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I might not be good at the writing stuff like that, but yeah, I've yeah. got good. Uh, my that side of my brain is good. Yeah, totally, absolutely, and and, and used and it's used to your advantage a lot of the time, I presume. Yeah. I, absolutely, in terms yeah. of creation, in terms of ideas now, it allows me to be who I am, and the same, I wouldn't get rid of it.
let's talk about your, your project now, because in a way, the music you're, the project you're working on now is that kind of collection, I guess, of a lot of the things. Almost your life now, isn't it? Absolutely, really? yeah. So basically, the way I set up my life now, it's such a blessing. I've got two boys, five and nine, and I wake up at seven with them, before my wife, can yeah. I say. Before we beat Annie yeah, out of bed. Okay, yeah. And um, I uh, go downstairs and we scramble together to breakfast and I can't lie, it's chaotic because of the ADHD. So it's, like, oh, oh. So we it's get a chaotic, beautiful breakfast. I Absolutely. Imagine. But you know what's really good about it is that I can't leave that house later than half past eight yeah. without them being late. And I don't want them to be late. I'll be late all day. I don't yeah, care about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to be that daddy. Well, you're very on time today, by the way. In fact, you're really See, See you there. So, you listening, Annie? <laughs> yeah, exactly, on time. So anyway, so like, I, I have to leave the house off eight, so that discipline's really good for me. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting, because I might feel a bit down or a bit anxious or a bit scatty, but the minute I walk out that door, about two minutes in, I just feel more alive. Yeah. And without the discipline of the children, I wouldn't have done that. So it gives so, you that structure. So that's beautiful. I drop them at school, and then I feel even more relaxed. Yeah. And then I walk to my studio, which is another 10 minutes. I get the coffee machine on, I brew up that caffeine. And I'm in there till approximately five or six o'clock, and then I return home. But within that window of the day, I'm working on mainly other people's music, meeting incredible young people, old people, a lot of people with your ADHDs and your autism and all that stuff, creating great art all day. Incredible. Walk home. And when I get home, it's dinner time. I try my best to be attentive there, but I really struggle with that bit because my head's still down there. Yeah. And that's something I've been trying to work on um, with a mindful coach just trying to get out of the studio when I come home, I find that really hard. Yeah. Um, and then we eat, but I'm kind of still in the studio, but at least I'm there, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. then we do bedtime and we relax, and then hopefully me and Annie will chat, watch telly or whatever. So the new music is kind of like representing that, which kind of sounds a bit boring, right? It's not punk rock, I'm not crowd surfing anymore or drinking Jack Daniels at nine in the morning or whatever, a traditional that rock star. That sounds to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like hell to me. <laughs> whatever to a traditional rock star would do, but like I'm trying to paint that picture with the new music in terms of like, there's four tunes, yeah? There's one with an artist called Jay Gray, there's one with an artist called Awa, there's a rap tune with three rappers on Bricks, George and Kevo, and then the last ones with Craig David, right? And these are just great people that I've met through the game that I just connect with in the studio, and I just think they're brilliant. And they're just music that's been on my hard drive for like, it's up to two years now. Yeah. So I want to compile it and share into it. Into one beautiful Into one piece. Music. But then I also want to represent me as a person at 37 doing the school run, because that's yeah. what I am now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's the rock star life now. Yeah, we, so... My school team, races and school runs. Yeah, you get it, literally. So I got my kids to do all the artwork for it, um, because I love their artwork, and it's in front of me all day, and it's inspires me. So they've done all the art, uh, all the visualisation is a kind of representation of my day in the life, beautifully shot by MD Films. It's like me going to the studio post-school run, seeing how I work with these incredible people, kind of coming home, and how I intertwine those two lives together. Uh, it's, I guess it's me at 37 to the T, so yeah, it's just a kind of really authentic, um, honest kind of way of how I'm living now. No, no filter, but I'm so happy right now. I feel like I'm the strongest I've ever been mentally and physically. And um, having that structure and those two little human beings just sorted so much out for me. Wow. Well, I think that's a great time to end uh, part two. And in part three, we're going to talk a bit about your toolkit for life. Sure. And how you get through, and I suspect that your children will be in, in that as well. Thank you so much for listening to part two of this episode with Toddler T. 
If you're not finished stomping yet, make sure you go and listen to the final part now. We'll come back to catch up on tomorrow's stomp. See you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.